welcome to a special edition of the Mainline Podcast. I am Adam Jacquez, your host. I'm joined this evening by my good friend, Derek Ziegenhurt. Wanted to give you guys a little bit of a different perspective with everything that's going on with conference realignment. So wanted to bring on Derek, who is a big K-State fan. Uh, he also is an honorary mainliner because uh, he actually has worked a lot in sports at several different minor league baseball teams. So he knows what it's like to be on the mainline, uh, just like the regular crew here. So, uh, Derek, welcome to the mainline podcast. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Glad to be here. And uh, yeah, gotta gotta stick it to the original mainliners, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, so Derek, you're a K State fan. Uh, give us a little background on how you became a fan of uh, the Wildcats. Yeah. So I. Uh... I'm originally from uh, around Manhattan, Kansas, so grew up close um, to the program. Been going to games really since, you know, I was born, um, so really since the early 90s. So most of my young life, you know, was pretty good with especially K-State football. Um, so grew, grew up going to games, obviously, right in the heyday of the Bill Snyder area, you know, from especially, you know, where my fandom really grew was obviously the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, you know, obviously that continued into a passion and, you know, been a, a diehard fan ever since, even, uh, even as I've moved away from Kansas and, uh, still, uh, made it to games and, you know, would, uh, find any chance I could to, to dive into K-State athletics. So, yeah, you and I have had conversations, pretty much the same conversation every <laughs> time that we've talked for a couple of years now, just about conference realignment. And we've you know, gone through every scenario about how we could get Nebraska to come back to the big 12 and all these just kind of fantasy land of like, you know, pipe dream scenarios. And so it's a, it's an area that's very near and dear to both of us. Cause uh, I think we both romanticize a lot about, um, you know, the old big 12 from the early two thousands, the mid two thousands when things were going really great. Uh, so, yeah. So when the news broke, um, not even two weeks ago as of when we're recording this, but what was your initial reaction and, and how did you feel as everything kind of came into place very quickly? Yeah. I'm trying to think like, Holy cow, it's been two weeks. Um, I feel like so much has happened in two weeks. Um, yeah. When I originally heard the news, I think I texted you right away and I was like, did you, what's going on? <laughs> you know, I was a little bit shocked at first, you know, I think as a big 12 fan, and a K-State fan, I think, you know, obviously going back to 2010, this was always a, a chance that this could happen again. You know, you know, some form of realignment happened. And, um, you know, I always felt pretty confident the Big 12 was going to stay together, you know, and I felt like we were in a pretty good space and or place. And, you know, when this news came out, it was pretty shocking. I really couldn't believe it. I, You know, Texas, you know, doesn't surprise me. They're Texas. They're, you know <laughs> – prima donnas i was a little more surprised probably on the ou side more than you know from texas you know um but yeah i was definitely definitely shocked and and after kind of that went away i started to think about it obviously you didn't really know what to believe so many stories were coming out left and right on twitter and articles coming out from everybody what was really going on but then as a k-state fan just in the position that we're in and i'm sure we'll get into that um you know worries start to set in a little bit you know i mean there, there's been a lot of highs and lows over the last two weeks as far as how confident I feel about things and how you know worried I've been about things. So, um, yeah, still, still kind of shocked, and because I felt like you know I was following media days pretty close, like I was 
feeling pretty confident. We were talking, I think me and you even had the conversation about the other end of expansion. Like who's, like I said, who's the big 12 going to go after? Like, what can we do? And here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You actually were the one that alerted me via the text. I was actually out hiking with no phone signal and I came upon a cliff that got just enough to get your text. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and then I think I even texted you later that day when I did find out and I said, yeah, I don't know about this. It seems kind of like just a, a rumor, you know, and probably yeah. nothing that just negotiating for a better deal, but right. off season um, news to make off season <laughs> news. Yeah. Now, now as it kind of unfolded, you mentioned, you know, OU was a bigger surprise to you as a K-State fan. Like, why would they choose to leave? I, I feel like as OU fans, we look at that and go, no brainer. Like, there's so many positives going to the SEC, whether it's money, recruiting, maybe some better matchups, different things that are going on there. But um, from your perspective, seeing two teams kind of leave behind the rest of the conference to who knows what happens to them. Maybe they become G5 schools, maybe they make it somewhere that's, you know, a decent landing spot. We don't know yet, but does what OU in Texas, you know, did to move to the SEC, does that kind of make sense at this point to you? Or do you still have like questions unanswered there? Oh, I mean, I think it definitely, I think anybody, any big 12 fan who looks at it, some aspect, it makes sense. I mean, obviously the SEC is the SEC as much as us as big 12 fans love to talk crap on the SEC. Um, we all understand it. I mean, they're a monster in itself. Um, obviously you can't argue with the money. I mean, that is something that just kind of, you know, I mean, they obviously have an advantage, uh, from that end. Um, you know, so it, it's, you know, it was surprising. I think just, I felt like the big 12 was in a better position, you know, before all this broke now than it was even five years ago, seven years ago, three years ago. Um, so I think that was the most surprising thing for me, you know, um, well, it's, no, almost, it's almost like, you know, things were so unstable early on after A&M and Missouri left that everyone was kind of a little bit uneasy. And then, you know, time goes on and time goes on and nothing really happens. And then you're kind of like, I guess we're all right. And it turns out, no, like things were, were not all right this whole time, at least for, for OU in Texas, as far as, you know, looking out in the future and going, hey, you know, is this going to improve? Or are we going to be able to stay on par with some of the bigger conferences out there? And um, you know, Bob Bowlesby, I don't know if you've seen the picture of him that's come out <laughs> recently, uh, where he was at the hearing, uh, this, we're recording this on Monday and, uh, he, uh, he was looking on the Texas president with uh, total disgust I and, uh, you know, that. he was, he was shocked, you know, right along pretty much everybody. Um, but I, I think the response that, that you've given so far is very much in line with what K-State administration has has given thus far. We've seen OSU and uh, TCU and Texas Tech and all sorts of other people, uh, A&M fans too, just like really disgusted by the move. And uh, K-State has been a lot more measured in their response. Um, not really, you know, uh, getting too crazy with anything, just very even keeled. Uh, and I think that's probably a great move for K-State and where they could go in the future. Um, but from your perspective, you know, wh where do you see a team like K-State and maybe the rest of the guys in the conference ending up? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think I've heard about 30 different scenarios in the last two weeks. Um, you know, I, I, you know, like I said, we're recording on Monday. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, the growing part of me feels like the eight sticking together with potentially something else could be the best fit. Um, you know, I would say 
from the fan side, just because I do want to still play KU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, you know, a lot of those teams that, you know, we played for, you know, since 1996, um, you know, from a fan side, I definitely feel that way. And I, I would say most of, especially Wildcat Nation up here in Manhattan feels that way that part of them want to stay that just because, you know, especially when the Big 12 broke up in 2010 or 11, whenever that was, um, uh, you know, losing natural rivalries for us, like Nebraska, Missouri, and Colorado, the old Big 12 North, you know, that really hurt. And I just hate to see that be gone again. Um, you know, but I think if, you know, the Big 12 does completely go away, um, you know, really probably our only shot is probably the Pac-12. Um, you know, the Big 10 geographically and, you know, kind of from a culture standpoint uh, makes sense. Um, just Nebraska right there, kind of a Midwest rough and tough football, especially, you know, our style of play. But, you know, Kansas State isn't an AAU um, accredited university. Um, you know, and the Big Ten seems to hang their hat on that. So I, I really don't think that's going to be a, a great shot. Um, you know, the ACC, who knows what's going on there. And I, I don't see that happening. You know, I think they're going to try to go after Notre Dame pretty hard. And if that happens, maybe West Virginia. So really, I think the Pac-12, some merger – you know, the Big 12 teams and the rest of the Pac-12 um, would probably be the best spot, you know, as a K-State fan. And the last thing I want to see is K-State go to the American or the Mountain West. I know that's <clears throat> the last thing I want to see. I know some fans, you know, who probably don't understand what's going on. Like, oh, it'd still be a good conference. Like, no, like, no. <laughs> there, there's a hard part of, of the fan base that just, does not even want to think about that. Doesn't want to entertain that idea. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if the Big 12 doesn't stay together and I'd be okay with it, I know obviously the revenue would be down and it wouldn't be the same, you know, if it would stay um, a conference. But, you know, if that didn't happen, probably the Pac-12. I mean, USC, I was at USC, Kansas State in 2003 when Carson Palmer came. And that was honestly one of the wildest games I've ever been to. K-State ended up winning that game. They had Troy Palmolo, the whole, you know, kind of that start of that Pete Carroll dynasty. And, you know, think, I was thinking, man, if that'd be a cool series to get back, you know, uh, we've played them a couple of times, but um, yeah, I, yeah. Like I said, going back to the question, I think Pac-12 or the Big 12 staying together is about the only two options that I see. Yeah. I think that I would are... be okay with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, with the Pac-12, you do get Colorado back as a rival right. um, and the Pac-12 is at that point for sure going to bring other teams, whether that's TCU, Texas tech, Baylor, Oklahoma state, maybe Kansas. There's, there's some options there that they could bring along and have some familiarity, at least, um, you know, on the schedule, you're still playing some random games against Oregon state and Cal that are like, I don't yeah. know if that's really all that interesting, but at least your revenues are, are still up at that point. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I, I think, and especially for a school like K state, I mean, we're in Manhattan, I even heard this today, you know, Manhattan's the eighth biggest city, if you want to call it a city, in Kansas. So a smaller town in a smaller populized state. Um, you know, so obviously, the, you know, you talk about TV markets and all that, you know, but that losing that revenue for that university is detrimental to Kansas State. So, you know, that's almost where I sit is we need that revenue more than anything else. I know, you know, K-State has competed at the top level before, you know, it's been, you know, we've had a rough last few years. Um, but from a program standpoint, I know we can get there, but that revenue would just 
kill K-State. Um, yeah. And ultimately and it, the, the economy too. I mean, we rely so much on the, you know, K-State football games, you know, and we pack in 53,000 people, you know, um, you know, it's a whole event for really most of the state because it's definitely not happening in Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, any, any OU fans that are listening to this, I would highly encourage you to, to take the trip up to Manhattan this season as OU's playing up there and uh, check out Aggieville. That's like campus corner on, on roids essentially. And I don't think that Aggieville would go anywhere, but it would take a substantial hit if, you know, K-State replaces the OUs and the Texases and the, you know, the big time programs and starts inviting Tulane and Navy and like a bunch of AAC teams to town. So there's certainly a trickle down. It's not just the TV money. It's the local economy. It's donors probably don't want to donate as much that you can't charge nearly as much for season tickets, less people sign up for those types of things. So it's all across the board. Just yeah. the revenues are, are it, looking it's really a scary. ripple effect. I mean, it's one, yeah. you know, like I said, recruiting to, you know, fans coming in, donors, don't, like I said, you hit all the, all on the nose. I mean, it really, every aspect of Kansas State University, athletics and academics, you know, from the school side would, would hurt. You know, and we, in 2012, you know, with Colin Klein and our Big 12 championship there, you know, those couple years after attendance was way up. And that was really because of football. I mean, the, stats show that you know athletics especially at a smaller you know university of k-state which probably has you know 20 to 25 you know it does you know athletics helps recruiting a lot for just normal students to come in um and you know these last you know three to five years things have kind of been up and down quite a bit and it's it's definitely shown on the school side as well so you know it's 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 really important that k-state lands in a p5 conference you know whether that is pac-12 or some form of the big 12 yeah as far as the pac-12 goes i know there's everyone's got a different rumor of teams that they might be interested in some people think that the pac-12 is not interested at all in any of the big 12 teams and i think yeah. there's a it's pretty it's pretty safe to say that you know there's no one left in the big 12 that would substantially raise the pac-12's tv revenues um, you know, the really the the fit there is, hey, get into some new recruiting territory and get some games that can be played at the 11 a.m. central time slot um, that maybe, you know, helps just expand what the Pac-12 is able to do on a college football Saturday and be more in the spotlight there. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, K-State is a, is a program that I think, you know, <laughs> I hate to say this because, you know, I, I like you and, and I like K-State <laughs> a lot. I mean, they're a likable school, but... I think a lot of people leave them off the list as far as what the Pac-12 might be interested in. Um, so make your case here. I mean, what's, what is the draw and why should the Pac-12 consider a K-State over some of the other remaining Big 12 teams? Yeah, no, great question. I'll do my best sales pitch here. Um, no, but I, I've heard the same rumors. I mean, I think if you definitely follow the national media, which, you know, they're looking for clicks on a slow Monday anytime. Um, you know, K-State is definitely seems to be left out of the conversation as far as who might go to the Pac-12. Like, let's just talk specifically the Pac-12. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, if you're looking at comparisons, let's say K-State, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Baylor, you know, and let's leave out the whole, you know, religious institutions in the Pac-12, you know, who really knows what the story is and the guidelines are. But if you specifically look at, you know, I think K-State compared to TCU and Baylor, um, you know, I think K 
K-State has a unique opportunity where TCU, yes, is in Dallas, Fort Worth, and you get that, but they don't really, you know, you talk about every sports team, college, um, professional, even high school in the Dallas, Fort Worth area, you know, TCU, there's probably more people go to an Allen high school football game on a Friday night than a TCU game on some Saturdays. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I think from a TCU perspective, I, I I can't remember. I saw it last week or something. There was some stat going on on you know um, viewership for TV games. And K State surprisingly, and I I didn't even know this was much higher on a lot of games than most you know compared to TCU and Baylor. Um, you know, I would say with K State, you get a lot more passionate fan base. You know, because we are you know we're not in Dallas. We're in small town Manhattan, and we love our football and we love our Wildcats. And you know, you definitely get a a fan base that not only watches games, but travels well. I mean, going back to, you know, bowl games will take 20, 30, 40,000 people, even going back to the Fiesta Bowl in 2012. Um, so you definitely get a fan base that travels. Now, like I said, the biggest hurdle that we have is we're a small market that, you know, has part of a Kansas City and market and obviously the most of the state when it comes to football. Um, but, you know, there's only a few million people that live in Kansas compared to, you know, other states, you know, I mean, obviously Texas and um, with TCU and Baylor. So, I mean, I, I think from an athletic department standpoint, you know, Casey does have a well-rounded, I mean, unfortunately the timing of this for Kansas state is we're coming off probably the two worst year, the worst year of K-State athletics with football and basketball combined. Um, you know, but if you do look at the entire decade, you know, just snapshot of 2010 to 2020, you know, K-State, I think, did have the third best record in both football and basketball. I mean, people, you know, have a little bit of recency bias. You know, they forget, you know, 2010 to 2015 for K-State were pretty good five years. Um, I think when all the college football expansion talk was going on, you know, when they're talking about 12, I think K-State would have made the playoff if it was 12, three of those five years, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I think a lot of people just forget about that. I mean, that's been K-State's motto. We've been an underdog forever. I mean, even, you know, I don't even want to bring up 1998 when, you know, <laughs> that whole saga. Um, but, you know, ever since then, you know, K-State's been left out and we've always had that underdog mentality, um, you know, especially yeah. with the national media. I definitely think K-State gets thrown under the rug because of location. I mean, they are two hours outside of, of the Kansas City area. Um, they're in a state that most people don't drive through. They just fly over, um, just like most of the big 12 schools. Um, and I really sense that TCU and Baylor to me feel a lot like Rutgers in the sense that when they joined the big 10, everyone said they're delivering the New York city market. And everyone knew that was a complete lie because New York city does not care about college football. Even if they happen to go to Rutgers, you weren't going to pick up just the random fans that didn't go to school there. And I think that's the same thing for TCU, uh, who has an enrollment of 10,000 students compared to Kansas State's 24,000. Similar with Baylor. Baylor's only got a 16,000 student enrollment. Yeah. Uh, people aren't just becoming fans of those schools because they're you know local or you know they're good or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. literally just the alumni of those small private schools. So you're not delivering the market. Now, there is value still in having games in Fort Worth probably, think that's good but um definitely you know i think k-state to me is a lot more attractive than than baylor uh, potentially even texas tech uh, you know tech 
has a lot of alumni and a lot of the Dallas Fort Worth market mm-hmm. there as far as alumni being there. Um, but they're still second fiddle to A&M and Texas and probably even OU to some level there. Um, yep. So I don't necessarily know that they're that huge of a draw. And geographically, yeah, they're they're leaning towards the Pac-12, but right. they're in Lubbock. I mean, there's well, nothing out there. Yeah, I, I was having a conversation with someone else about Texas Tech specifically, and they're like, what does Texas Tech provide over K-State? And, you know, pr- they probably do have a bigger alumni base. But, you know, one thing that Texas Tech, probably more than any of those Texas schools doesn't have is, you know, why they have alumni all over that state. They don't really have that one city that they hold on to. Um, you know, because they're maybe so like far out there. Odessa or Midland area. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. You know, <laughs> That's not really much of a talk city. About Odessa, Midland, and El Paso. Um, but you know, you know, K State at least has Kansas City. Um, you know, Wichita. why that? Yeah, in Wichita, yeah, in yeah. Wichita. Um, you know, so we have a really big strong point. Um, and there, and the funny thing is, the second biggest and most, you know, probably most people who listen to your podcast don't know this: the second biggest alumni area for Kansas State outside of Kansas City is actually Dallas, Fort Worth area. Um, so we actually have a huge, you know, which I know a lot of the Dallas, Fort Worth cats are worried that if they go somewhere without all the Texas schools, they're not going to be able to go to as many games. But, um, but yeah, I don't think Texas Tech really has that, you know, tie in with a big city, you know, like K-State does. And I think, you know, while even though K-State splits Kansas City with KU, Mizzou, and even to some aspect Nebraska, um, you know, there's still a very big K-State presence, you know, with a major city, even though we are two hours, an hour 45 from the KC area. Yeah. I will say one thing that I think has changed quite a bit over the last couple of years, and it definitely has shown with OU going to the SEC without Oklahoma State, is I don't think that there's necessarily the draw there to keep state schools together. And with all the pretty negative things that Kansas has had happen over the last three or four years with basketball, with less miles, yeah. um, all those situations there. I think Kansas looks a lot less attractive and the idea of bringing them in for basketball, but getting weighed down so much by how terrible their football program is. I, I just don't see any particular conference going, Hey, you know, the, maybe the big 10 or, or the PAC 12 going, Hey, we really want that Kansas basketball program and K-State kind of being a partner in that move. Do you feel that way, or do you think do you think I'm off base here? I mean, I, you know, I think because of, you know, OU making the decision to not stay with Oklahoma State, I think really the door's wide open for anything. Um, I think it kind of showed that um, anything can happen with two state schools, especially. Um, you know, and I, with K-State, I don't necessarily think – you know, I think some people, especially beginning, and this even was conversations, you know, 10 years ago that KU was going to take K-State with them because of basketball to wherever that would, might be. Um, but yeah, with everything going on with KU, I mean, their program is by far the worst program um, in college football and maybe college football history. And that's saying something from a Kansas State fan who, you know, we were fertility U in the 70s and 80s. Um, if you're an OU fan and don't know what that is, just go YouTube that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, our our Lord and Savior, Bill Snyder, came in and, and saved us. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any tie to KU. I really haven't heard, you know, KU, I think, thinks they have a shoe into the Big Ten. You know, that's all 
what we're hearing. And I don't think they really do because, like I said, their football program. I mean, does does Michigan really want to go to Lawrence, Kansas for a football game? Does I mean any school? I mean, the most comparable school is Northwestern from an attendance standpoint, and Northwestern won the West recently. Yeah, you know they at least have a, a this football year, program. <laughs> this past yeah, year, this, yeah, this past year, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, well. Kansas is the one school that's acting the most thirsty, I guess, in regards to getting out of the Big 12 with they the graphic are. that they put out the other day about how they're so close to Kansas City and they have all these great things going for them. Um, but honestly, I, I'm i not so sure that they're just like, hey, we could be you know, a basketball-only type of school and drop down to FCS at this point. Yeah, I, I really think most of KU fans don't don't really care what happens to football i mean there well, are not they're know, not k there's no such thing as a ku football fan they're they're right. chiefs fans you're right surprisingly i have some friends up here who are ou football fans and ku basketball fans but i won't get on that topic <laughs> <laughs> i had season ticket holders that were the same way and i yeah. was like man i i not a big fan of that <laughs> but <laughs> yeah you do yeah. you i guess yeah exactly exactly but yeah i you know i don't think ku especially like i said with the football program i mean the hammer has to be coming down on the basketball program. So I mean, they, you f- they have five level five infractions or level one, whatever the highest level it is. I can't remember which way. For the basketball program, it has to be coming down soon. It's been going on for a couple of years. And obviously all the stuff recently that came out with less miles, I mean, not good stuff. And I don't think, I feel like the Big Ten more than any conference has like a prestige. You know, while SEC is the best at football and everything, and they're the SEC and powerful. Big tw- the Big Ten's most like, you know, country club feel as far as like, hey, we're all AAU schools. We're all, you know, we're the Big Ten. Um, and I just don't see them wanting to get in that mess with KU. I mean, KU has been an embarrassment, obviously with their football team to the conference, but also with their basketball team with stuff that's gone down with infractions um, and many things over the years. I mean, even going back to, this is my KU rant, even going back to Larry Brown and <laughs> the 80s so yeah um, it's kind of like which conference wants to bring on that mess of a athletic department and uh, even baylor i mean they've kind of righted the ship but there's still some some stank (laughs) with baylor what happened a few years back so yeah stuff like that doesn't go away and no partners of conferences realize that too you know i mean you know all the business partners to every conference you know do we really want that institution here um yeah. So exactly. yeah, and I will accept. So I don't think K State is necessarily tied to KU. And I, like I said, I think that kind of really opened the door when OU and OSU just you know parted ways from going to be in different conferences. So yeah, um, I do want to get your thoughts on this. Um, we tweeted this out from our, our Twitter uh, account at the Mainline Pod One, and uh, it was a couple of days ago. But basically, just uh, put together a graph of some of the different win totals, averages, I guess, over the last ten years, comparing you know the remaining Big Twelve teams versus uh, some of the SEC teams that OU and Texas will probably face on a regular basis. And yeah, um, Alabama and Georgia, I didn't include the on this list. You know, they're certainly you know, top of college football food chain. Um, they're, they're putting up some really big numbers uh, as far as what they're winning on a year in year out basis, but there's a lot more teams in the sec to play each year. And the big 12 lines up pretty, pretty well against the teams that OU is going to play. Um, case in point, 
uh, K-State averaged about the same record as Auburn over the last 10 years. And I think you alluded to that earlier, um, you know, that K-State has had a pretty good decade. The last three years haven't been great, even though they've actually beaten OU <laughs> twice in a row. I and was going to wait till you brought that up. I'll be in an <laughs> OU podcast. But. Yeah. I mean, and, and yet OU fans don't respect that game and are like, oh, it's boring. I'm not looking forward to K-State. I'm like, uh, <laughs> we keep losing. Uh, yeah. Maybe we should look forward to that and get a little more pumped for it. But just across the board, like K-State, similar record to Auburn. Baylor, basically the same record than Mississippi, uh, as Mississippi State. TCU and A&M, same record. This one surprised me. OSU and LSU have averaged about the same record over the last decade. Um, across the board. So just looking at this, like, what does this tell you as far as what teams or, or I guess what fans value, what TV networks value. And like, maybe there's some discrepancy, I guess, on what we perceive as a good game and what's, what's not a good game. Yeah. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts here? Well, I think the ultimate line is ESPN knows who's, who's the cash cow and all of this. <laughs> I mean, they know that, you know, they want to milk the sec as much as they can. And, you know, the big 12 has taken a back seat to the national media. Well, you know, there's, you know, most of this conference, you know, has been as a whole been a lot stronger, I think, than the SEC. The SEC has always been top heavy. And I think that people have this association with an Auburn because, you know, they had a great season with Cam Newton and, um, you know, LSU a couple years ago, you know, with the national championship. But, you know, people, people forget how consistent and how strong and how tough really, you know, the Big 12 is, you know, and, um, you know, with everything that we we were with ten teams and having a true round robin, um, you know, I, I I can't remember what who it was a couple of years ago, and maybe I think South Carolina and Alabama were playing. I think it was Alabama it was the first time playing in South Carolina in eight or nine years. I'm like, that just for a Big Twelve fan in our previous format with ten teams, that just kind of blew my mind a little bit. Um, yeah, so yeah, but I, I think. People don't understand, you know, what most of the Big 12, you know, besides OU and Texas, which the whole Texas thing just, you know, blows my mind because Texas has been a the most mediocre team of the last 10 years. And here that's putting it nicely. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's putting it very nicely. I mean, they lost to Kansas. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, never forget that. Never, never forget. forget. Never forget. I tell you yeah. what, my Kansas friends were pretty happy that night. Um, and with. I have a couple of Texas friends up here, you know, they meandered their way up north and you know, we never let them forget that as well. So <laughs> <laughs> you bring up some really good points there, just as far as the expectations. And uh, it's every single year that the draft comes around, there's always a list of who, which teams or which conferences had the most draft picks. And it's always big 12 and last, and no one ever like stops to go, okay, wait a minute. The Big 12 has four less teams than the Big 10 and the SEC mm -hmm. and uh, I guess the ACC too. Um, yeah. But they just put the total numbers on there. And it's like, yeah, if you have 10 teams, you're going to have less players drafted. Now, yeah. we weren't as good as the SEC still, but like if you looked at per school average, we were above the ACC, we were above the Pac-12 typically. Mm -hmm. Like we were right, you know, holding our own considering uh, what we had going for us. And um, that really segues really well into um, some things that, um, you know, I think could have saved the big 12. Um, and as an OU fan, like the going to the SEC was the right move. Uh, but I really wanted the solution to be making the big 12 better, making the big 12, what it was in the mid two thousands when it was the best conference in college football. 
Um, and, and I guess one of the points that you brought up there was, uh, you know, with the round Robin playing nine conference games, that means every single team probably picks up, you know, an extra loss or two that they wouldn't have gotten normally considering that the SEC plays an eight game conference schedule, which is what the big 12 used to do. And they used to have divisions, which helped protect some of those Northern teams from playing OU in Texas uh, every year, or, or maybe only playing one of the two. Um, And I think that's something that if we had gotten back to that format would have really helped uh, just bump the, the perception of the conference. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, I mean, it's a natural protection of, you know, schools and, you know, I mean, you look at teams in a, in a division side. I mean, more of those teams are in those higher rankings because they haven't played somebody else. I mean, just like we talked about. I mean, I mean, the the weirdest year in college football that I think we can all agree on was '07 when Missouri and Kansas were, you know, ranked in the top five, and KU didn't play OU or Texas that year. I think about that. But and, but like people knocked them for that, but it wasn't like majorly like it was more like a novelty and like wow we got to tune in to watch Kansas be good like this is so unusual. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And the same thing happens in the SEC every year because yeah. it, the East had been really weak for a while, and Georgia yeah. and Florida were winning that with not great teams, and then getting blasted by Bama in the championship game. But people still thought they were good programs at the time. I'm talking about probably five six years ago. Um, yeah. Now well, now Georgia like- and Florida are both pretty solid. Right. Well, here's another example. Look at Missouri when they first joined. They made the they won the SEC East. You know, yeah, and they were a very weak not, East division. Very weak. You know, and that was you know being close to, you know, we're only four hours from Columbia here. Um, you know, the Missouri fans were chirping left and right about that, and we're like, you. <laughs> I mean, those SEC East teams couldn't even compete with what the Big Twelve was at that time. You know, so it's. Yeah. yeah. Having the divisions in the Big 12 conference just tremendously helped, you know, the those teams in the north that they are at a, you know, a little bit of a recruiting disadvantage. They're further away from Texas, mm-hmm. so they're 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 not geographically suited as well to pick up some of the best recruits, but think back to in the in the 90s, the north was the power division. But even as OU and Texas rose in prominence and OU and, and Texas both won national championships in the early 2000s, but you still look at those years, Nebraska, Kansas State were good, um, top 10 type programs. And then even as Nebraska and K-State faded in the late 2000s, Missouri and Kansas both stepped up. Colorado had a couple of good years. Even Nebraska kind of came back um, and had some some good seasons there in yeah. like 09 and 2010. And I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, they were playing eight game conference schedules. They weren't playing OU and Texas all mm-hmm. the time, which yes, those would be big matchups and great for TV, but it also helped protect them from taking a loss in certain situations so that you could have really big Big 12 conference championship games. And then after all those teams left, staying at 10 just beat everybody up so that no one really had great records except for maybe one, maybe two teams. Yeah, yeah, it really kind of limits um, the one disadvantage of the round robin, it really limits it. You can really only have two dogs in the fight, especially with a four team playoff format, um, you know, because it is, it is, it is brutal. Um, you know, I mean, look at, I mean, K-State had no business beating OU, especially these last two years. I mean, but you know, you get on the big 12 and it's a tough road stretch and you know, anything can really happen on any day. Um, besides in Lawrence, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah unless you're um, texas <laughs> unless you're texas right you yeah know, uh, 
but that they'll have trouble with Vander, Vanderbilt, I'm sure. So yeah, <laughs> um, you know, I got to be winning a lot of points with the OU fans talking crap on Texas. So. There you go. I mean, that's something everybody can agree on. We don't um, like him up here either. So <laughs> yeah, one thing that you know happened a few years back was the Big Twelve basically announced, yeah, we're looking at expansion, and we basically made everybody do a song and dance for us, only to pick nobody at the end of the day, and I think some fans were like, yeah, why would we pick Memphis or UCF or BYU? Like those aren't power five teams. Uh, I don't think there was any power. I don't think Arizona, Arizona state or Arkansas or anybody like that was actually a legitimate candidate or even interested in joining the big 12 because they were better off where they were. But in your opinion, was that a mistake to not add just any of the AAC or BYU type of teams at that point? You know, looking back, you know, looking back, it was probably okay. Um, you know, obviously we're in the situation we are, and maybe that could have prevented that. But, you know, at the time, I really thought, you know, adding a couple teams would have helped. You know, I, I look at TCU as kind of an example of what could happen. But you had to be really careful. You know, TCU was Mountain West, I believe, before they, they joined the Big 12. And they were a team where they had, had success, you know. Um, or even like Utah before they joined, you know, the Pac-12 or Pac-10 at the time. Um, you know, those are programs that I think they joined a Power 5 conference and really kind of improved the overall program and the athletic program overall. You know, it kind of gave them that opportunity on a on a big boy stage um, truly become more than just a, what we would call a P5 school now. And I think a school like Cincinnati or Memphis could have that opportunity to really grow into something. Um, you know, and obviously there's, there's media markets from a revenue side. Um, I, I would know. say UCF too would have yeah. certainly been in great position to grow big alumni base, you know, Huge decent sized stadium that had a lot of room to expand and they're not sitting there competing like TCU is competing against Texas and OU for the recruits in that area. So yeah, they, they definitely blossomed when they came to big 12, but they still had some big Titans right next to them that kind of held them in check oh, a little bit where UCF yeah. maybe could have broken through and become a power player. Yeah. I think every big 12, you know, you know, the advantage of big 12 is, you know, for multiple years until A&M left, we, you know, Big 12 owned recruiting in Texas even before the SEC became what the SEC was. Um, you know, and I think adding a team like UCF, um, you know, opens that Florida pipeline more. And I think every Big 12 team would love that, even OU. That would just open another gateway up even more um, than what it already was. And But, yeah, huge school. I mean, a lot of benefits. And especially, you know, as much as I, you know, I love college football. I love the traditions. I love what it was. I, I don't. I, you know, I'm living in Kansas. I'm a big Chiefs fan, but the NFL is just a different animal that I don't even really care for too much. It's sterile. It's, it is very sterile. It's it's the same thing every year. I think the thing we all love about college football is you never know what's going to happen each season. Yeah, we like never know. NFL, I mean, case except for K State beating OU on a regular basis. Besides, you know, <laughs> you know, be careful when you come to Manhattan this year. No, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say anything. Um, but yeah, I mean. It's just sad that the money, the powers that be of ESPN, which we all know is what they are, you know, that are controlling this. And it's sad to see all that go away, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, you look at 
even when we talk about and we romanticize about those golden years of the Big 12 in the just basically from 2000 to 2010 was golden age Big 12. We saw Texas Tech in the top 10. We saw Missouri, Kansas, yeah. Kansas State, OU, OSU, Texas, literally everybody but Baylor and Iowa State, <laughs> essentially. And right. during that run, and it wasn't other than maybe Kansas, who's kind of, who kind of had a blip, and maybe Texas, Texas Tech was a pretty much a regular top 25 team. But yeah. um, you know, most of those teams had runs where they were in the top 10 for several years. And at mm-hmm. that same exact time, Georgia was still a big program. Tennessee was a yeah. big program. Bama was was a little bit down, but Tennessee was up. LSU was really good. Auburn had good teams. Florida had great teams. So like, there's room for both to succeed. And I think Big 12 leadership and Texas especially really held back the conference and basically set it down this path where there was really no choice uh, because they had become somewhat obsolete and the games had not become... Um, you know, as big or had not been able to compete as well nationally with SEC and, and Big Ten type of games. And that's what and it really forced uh, OU's hand to to leave and, and seek greener pastures for the future. But it is frustrating because I would have liked to have seen the Big 12 be more proactive mm-hmm. 10 years ago, even five years ago, to try to avoid that type of scenario uh, and make the Big 12 back to what it used to be. Yeah. Uh, now, I... I had two kind of outside the box ideas for things the Big 12 could have done. Um, I don't want to call them like XFL esque or anything like that. I don't, I don't think it would have been necessarily hokey, but gambling and fantasy football. Uh, there's some obviously some legal ramifications there to, you know, hurdles to get around. Uh, but think about, you know, your Thursday night NFL network games. The Jets are playing whoever, you know, the Carolina Panthers, probably a game that you and I have no reason to watch. Don't care that much unless we're just football junkies. Right. But if Christian McCaffrey's on your team or, <laughs> you know, who, who even knows who plays for the jets anymore, a bunch of no names, but, right. uh, but if they're on your fantasy football team, you're probably watching to see how many points mm-hmm. they get. And I feel like that could have been embraced a little bit uh, with, uh, with college football to get, random people to watch some big 12 games that would have boosted the profile. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, on that point, I feel like that was one great thing about the big 12. And I would say this part of the country that cares so much about football. I mean, I'll turn on and watch any game, any big 12 game, whether it's, you know, Iowa state playing Baylor or TCU playing tech or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, you know, and I feel like you don't get that in a lot of the conferences, you know, around the country. You definitely don't get that in the Pac-12, and you definitely don't get that in most of the ACC. Um, you know, I think that was always one thing that I enjoyed about, and I, I will miss, you know, and maybe that will help keep the Big 12 together. Maybe that won't. Maybe that'll help us get into the Pac-12, whatever it might be. But, but yeah, I mean, some, you know, fantasy football and uh, gambling, I think, you know, and I would say anything's on the table. I mean, shoot, did we ever think NIL was ever going to happen? That's and true. Here we are. I mean, like I said, today's August 2nd and breaking news came out today that the Ohio state commit is going to forego his senior year of high school and, and make a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. And make money. Like, did we ever think that was going to happen? Um, yeah it's alternate reality we're in <laughs> yeah like it's I think so much has changed in the last 30 days 
in the cultural landscape and i i don't know if i like it all you know some of it i do like um but yeah it's i don't think anything's off the table there's things that could have been done for the big 12 because i think most of those schools and if you just look at especially the six remaining schools you know they're all a very passionate fan base when it comes to football besides one um but you know i i don't know it's it's sad to see uh, you know yeah as a k-state fan especially you know i i miss the big 12 what it was and i miss even what it was last year uh, yeah not knowing that that won't be anymore so I got one last idea for how the Big 12 could have saved themselves. And I think it would have been following the NBA model as far as what they're able to do with their streaming rights, their innovative TV deals, um, but go a little bit beyond that. And really, I think the Big 12 should have been seeking out a partner that could have streamed the games, um, you know, when the last uh, TV rights deal was was up for bids there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but I'd be willing to pay a pretty hefty sum per month during the season to just see the big 12 football games, whether that was through Netflix or Amazon or, or yeah. whoever that would want to stream those types of games. And I think that could have been something that they could have even expanded on, you know, just, you know, beyond just you and I who are really hardcore big 12 football fans that want to watch every game, but the you know average Joe that just wants to watch a game here or there, or maybe they just want to watch the last five minutes if it's close or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, I think there would have been a lot of ways that they could have charged for that and and gained a lot of revenue there and been innovators and the first to the scene to get that type of money. Yeah. Well, you know, I agree. And I think that's probably the way the future that eventually will go. And, you know, you never know. That could be the thing that saves the Big 12 with these last remaining eight teams. And if they expand. um, You think Bob Bowlesby is going to figure that out at this point? (laughs) You know, uh, Bob Bowlesby is a... You know, he's a roller coaster. You know, there's times I wanted to strangle him mostly, but you know, I he when he was laying on his back after everything, you know, the whole cease and desist thing with ESPN could turn out interesting. I think what that did ultimately was slow things down, which things were happening so fast. Which, from a K State perspective, was good because things weren't looking great, and I think everybody has a chance to breathe a little bit. And who knows what's going to happen when you? I mean, anytime you get lawyers, and you know, today with the Texas Senate. Um, or it's getting ugly it, it, that, that's just going to slow the process down and no. you know um who who knows what's going to happen um when uh politicians um get involved with athletics and lawyers get involved um it's, it's really hard to say and i think you know we we could probably be looking here in a couple months a year down the line and our conversation could be totally different with everything that we thought was going to happen um um now compared to what it could be could be in tomorrow even who knows i mean for a while news was moving so fast yeah i will say the one thing that k-state can really do is have the process slow down like you mentioned and go out this season win nine ten games and finish in the top 15 and, and just you know beat your chest a little bit and say hey like we're still good at football because look at what iowa state is they've had they had one good year essentially where they won nine games, uh, which was last year. And then the year before the first, that, that they was like were, their first time ever winning nine games. Yeah. And the year before they won, I think seven games, but somehow the perception of them is way too high at this point, considering that yeah. they basically had one good year. Um, and somehow yeah. people are talking like they could go to the big 10. So I think there's some, some ways that K-State can really help their positioning over the course yeah. of this football season. So absolutely. I mean, especially with, you know, we've case I would say has been down, you know, last four years and 
now more than ever, it's important to win because I think at the end of the day, football will drive everything and winning fixes a lot of things. Um, it's true. Yeah. You know, so I think it's more important now forever, you know, more important now than ever that K-State goes out and yeah, puts up eight, nine wins and, you know, yeah. really kind of gets back to what we were in the early 2010s. And, you know, I would love to see, you know, I, I, I am confident that K-State eventually can get back to what we were in the late 90s, early 2000s, where we had 11 win seasons for four or five years in a row. So. Yeah, we'll see if they can do that. Unfortunately, the the road looks tougher and tougher uh, with the whole conference situation. But yeah, um, it's been it's been great to have you on, Derek. I really appreciate your time and for giving us a little bit of a different perspective. Uh, someone who's not no you fan that's kind of on the other side <laughs> of the fence. So yeah, uh, any yeah. any time, you know. Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, if you guys want another shot at us this year in Manhattan, you know, good luck. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we will see. So uh, appreciate everyone listening on the special edition podcast. We will have some more content coming out later this week with, with Tyler and Corbin. But uh, you can find us on Twitter at the Mainline Pod one And uh, be sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast if you enjoyed this. So uh, we will see everyone again here later this week.